Welcome to Together We Grow, our podcast at Mercy Connect. Join us as we explore the world of disability, interviewing guests who share their story and insights on their experience with disability. Hi, it's Trent Dean here and welcome to this episode of Together We Grow. Sponsored by Mercy Connect, this podcast series sets out to explore a range of contemporary issues and trends impacting people with disability and those working within the disability sector. I'd like to acknowledge the people of the Radjuri Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. Now, today I'm joined by Brad Robertson, who was a serving Army senior officer with 28 years of military service and a former commander of Joint Logistics Unit in Victoria. He's had previous deployments to East Timor, Afghanistan and Aceh and commanded the rifle company Butterworth in Malaysia. Brad is the current chair of Carry On and is very passionate about bringing uplift to our local communities, particularly in the area of veteran support. Welcome, Brad. Great to have you on the show with me today. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's been a bit of a a journey, our uh, connecting over the last couple of uh, months. And uh, it's lovely to be here today to have a conversation with you about veterans, especially as it's uh, near and dear to my heart, of course. No, it's great, Brad. Uh, look, thank you. And this beautiful sunny day outside uh, and bringing that sunshine to our listeners today as well. And look, Brad, firstly, I just wanted to understand, you know, your journey and how you first enrolled into the military and then, you know, progressively what led you to becoming the chair of Carry On? Um, well, it's, it's quite... <laughs> Quite an interesting story for me, not necessarily probably an interesting story for everyone who is listening, but uh, I was a a bit of a difficult child uh, in growing up. Um, I had uh, difficulty at school. Um, I was dyslexic and I had uh, troubles uh, with um, just managing anger issues and other things at schools and uh, I moved around a bit. Um, I spent... um, a couple of months in a in a private school my father had sent me to try to straighten me out a bit um, didn't quite work um, but during that time I, I did some work uh, with the Sydney City Mission and that that really was a turning point for me um, we were mainly focused on on those um, people under the influence of alcohol um, who were living roughly on the streets and in that time I came to an acknowledgement that uh, the problem wasn't the schools and the problem wasn't everyone else around me, it was mm. me. Mm. Um, and I moved schools again as a result um, of a few things happening in my family and I attended a school in the north coast of New South Wales and um, within 12 months I was uh, fortunate to be selected as school captain. Mm. Um, my world had, had changed direction. Uh, people were interested in maybe where I might go after school and I had no idea still. I was just trying to get my head straight and all of a sudden uh, the principal had returned from a trip down to Canberra where he had visited the Australian Defence Force Academy. He suggested to me that was where I should go um, on my journey to adulthood and uh, it was him. Uh, It was one person who took an interest in me, who actually reflected on on what I could achieve in life um, and gave me um, that steer. And and I um, took that with both hands and and had 28, 29 years of of time in uniform and um, some amazing experiences in in the military, so, mm. yeah. And then, as you say, you, you did that long service, a wonderful service to our country, and then transitioned to, I guess, a semi-retirement would be, uh, <laughs> if that's a possible thing, and then leading to carry-on, yeah. Yeah, so um, 29 years uh, was is a long time um, in, in one organisation, but Defence sort of 
uh, is tailored towards that. There's wonderful opportunities to um, develop your uh, skills. They, they they invest in you, and you become part of the uh, the fabric of the organisation. And um, after tw- 29 years, and uh, uh, I reached the level of colonel, I, I pretty much achieved more than I ever expected to do in the military. And I was posted uh, to here, Aubrey, Aubrey Wodonga. I was commanding the logistics base out at uh, Wodonga there. Mm-hmm. And it was COVID years. Mm-hmm. It was fires and COVID. Uh, and my wife, uh, unfortunately, fell ill. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, she was actually diagnosed with cancer during um, COVID. And it really struck me that uh, the organisation I was part of, I was was still turning its wheels and had expectations of moving me and, and steering me in different directions and it was time for me to take a bit of control over my own destiny. Mm. Um, there's a wonderful book by David Brooks that talks about the second mountain and uh, first mountain is happiness, the second one is joy. And I looked and thought it's about time that I took carriage of, of what brings me joy in life and mm. um what that was was to contribute back, build a community or be part of a community um, and actually contribute. And so in that process of transitioning away from defence, I transitioned also into uh, a board role within Carry On. Uh, It's a 90-year-old organisation that has gone through a number of iterations. Its main focus was, of course, to support veterans and their families. Mm -hmm. um, And especially around housing, um, we, which is a serious issue for, for veterans. Um, there is approximately 6,000 veterans who are homeless mm. at the moment or in any one year. Um, and we as a, as a community, I think, would find that quite difficult to accept mm. uh, that individuals who have served their country um, are now finding it difficult. Uh, not always is it not of their own doing. Sometimes it is due to something they've done or, or choices they've made, but a lot of the time it's contributed by or their service has contributed to uh, the issues that they face when moving outside of defence and trying to find their feet in the civilian world. So um, I felt very strongly after my childhood where I mm. picked up drunks from the side of the road and tried to give them a bed for the night that uh, this particular charity was near dear to my heart. Um, and so I, I volunteered um, to be part of the board and uh, this year I, I've been selected to be the chair of, of Carry On and uh, we've got some amazing activities we're, we're um, being involved in at the moment and we're looking forward to growing our influence but also growing the number of houses that we have so we can actually start to get more of these uh, people, um, these veterans off the streets and and some security in, in at least the housing. Great. So. And, the, and the housing, as you say, is a, a really important factor, as it is for people with disability in the general population. And I, I wanted to get a sense then, with housing, we one of the strategic priorities for carry-on. What other things are you looking at more holistically within that, that strategic plan and view? Yeah, Yeah. so we, we, a number of years ago, we, we did our strategic planning on, on where we wanted to take carry-on. Um, it was very focused on housing mm. uh, back then. Uh, and in the process of, of doing that, we worked out that we needed to become or we needed to establish a social house as a social housing provider. 
Um, if we were to do that as carry on, it would narrow our our influence mm. and, and reduce our options because as a social housing provider, that has to be the only thing you do. Mm. So we actually um, established Veteran Housing Australia mm -hmm. and that organisation is now stood up and is taking carry on's housing aspects on its own journey. Mm -hmm. um, for carry on itself, uh, that allows us to now do more strategic analysis on, on the things that we want to now contribute to more broadly. And that is really around the wraparound services around mm -hmm. those people who we house. Um, it's not to go out there and, and look after everybody. There are many, many uh, mm. s social organisations and, and, and veteran support organisations that do very well yeah. in some of those spaces. So we want to concentrate on the people that we can influence, the people who are in housing. So, Brad, just in terms of then your work with Carry On, and, and I really appreciate that commentary around the housing side of things, and there's a need, certainly in the disability sector uh, more broadly. So, you know, could you maybe speak to that, the other strategic priorities you might be having in Carry On as well, in addition to the housing focus and, and, and how you're addressing the housing uh, issue for veterans? Yeah, thank you. Well, ultimately, uh, a few years back, we did a strategic uh, plan for Carry On. It was focused very much on housing. It was mm. an area that we have a number, approximately 100 houses that we manage mm. in Victoria. So, of course, we then were looking very much just at housing and how we'd do better in that space. It became very clear to us that we needed to establish ourselves as a social housing provider mm -hmm. to allow us to expand our influence across not only Victoria but Australia. Um, the problem with doing that as carry-on is that that then limits what you can do mm. more broadly. So with um, a, our carry-on, we knew we wanted to do more for veterans than, mm. than just housing, and we wanted to particularly focus on those people who we were housing in those properties and help them get back on their feet and mm. do, do more with their lives. So as a result, we established Veteran Housing Australia, and that organisation is now stood up and it is running our housing line of operation and it is performing that focused area as a um, registered social housing provider. Mm. Uh, for us as Carry On, we are now looking more broadly at how we influence the space of the veteran, mm. how we establish what we call wraparound services mm -hmm. for those individuals. And we, of course, aren't necessarily looking to do everything. There are particular veteran support organisations and general um, public uh, organisations who do things very well in their area and we want to leverage that and communicate and connect with those organisations to better support our own veterans um, as they get back on their feet. Yeah. The so, best, yeah, yeah, working with a position of strength then and sort of you know working partnership and, and where people do it better, you might tap into those resources, would that be... Yeah. Part of it, or yeah, yeah, correct. Um, it's one of those things. As a as a a layperson and person who looks at um, the support organisations out there, it it does become very frustrating mm. to watch as different organisations compete in the same space mm. or attempt to take more more responsibility for things or added responsibilities, and that it results in the drawing away of other organisations support and it becomes confusing. I think it duplicates and wastes money is, is my view. So rather than do that, ours, ours is to identify the best organisations that can support us in, in completing what we want to do for the veterans mm. uh, without duplicating effort or, or wasting um, money that is 
honestly often given voluntarily by people mm. who have hard-earned that, that cash uh, to support a particular function, and, and they don't want to see it lost in administration mm. or other facets of an organisation that's really there, supposed to be there to support the veteran. Ah, well said. And, and and I'm interested also in your personal and professional experiences, particularly with disability. Would you like to share any sort of things you've experienced either, again, personally or through your work in the field of disability? Yeah, disability is a, a, a really broad mm. um, issue, isn't it? And uh, it can be everything from a very minor issue that a person has um, from, a, from when you compare it to somebody who's um, got all the difficulties of, of movement and, and intellectual or, or, or uh, in, and inability to function naturally mm, in, mm. in their in their own world. And, and for me, um, I've, I've not had uh, much experience around uh, people who have severe disability, like severe effects on, on their person, such as um, having um, quadriplegia or, or those issues or very uh, serious illnesses that that mm. can hamper their their quality of life i've been around the the for me very fortunate a lot of my family members have had you know asd and dyslexia and and other um issues with their ability to function but mm. it hasn't been um to the point where mm. they've they've needed a large amount of support and for that I'm very um, conscious that I've been lucky. Mm. Um, we had uh, a family member who did have a, a, a brain trauma and however he has been able to move to a point where he's able to function quite well mm. um, independently which was very fortunate um, again but from a, from a non-family relationship uh, I do have friends and I do have acquaintances and people from my service who have have of course serious illnesses or serious traumas that have caused uh, injury uh, both from a physical as well as a mental mm. uh, which has created uh, their their own trauma and their own issues mm. on how they function in day-to-day -day life um, so for me knowing that there are services and organisations out there that support people mm. um, in that way um, is a really good thing. And, and it's one of the uh, wonderful th connections I see with Mercy Connect and, and potentially with my organisation mm. is, is our veterans uh, do suffer. Um, about 17% of the veterans wow. um, suffer from a mental health illness that will actually create... Um, a problem for them functioning just generally, especially mm. PTSD, um, very severe uh, depressive disorders and anxiety disorders. And then you have your uh, individuals who are actually suffering some physical injuries, etc. Um, and how that relates to DVA, the Def Department of Veteran Affairs, and NDIS, which mm. is um, one area, I think, of confusion for veterans mm. is how that interplay works. And I don't think anyone really understands it well and I think that's an area that we have to develop a better understanding of. Um, DVA will do a certain amount of things a certain way. NDIS does it from a different department's perspective uh, but at the moment because one does the other doesn't want to and that confusion or that uh, friction between those groups creates a lot of anxiety by for the veterans. So clearing that air, supporting veterans understanding allowing them to receive what support they need in the way they need it um, is really 
an area we could improve mm. greatly for veterans. That's a wonderful uh, uh, opportunity there for the NDIA uh, to look at the NDIS more holistically. And uh, we see that, you know, the interplay between state government and health versus NDIS funding as a challenge area. And uh, and you mentioned, obviously, with the, the housing side of things as a concern. Also, you're mentioning there the mental health conditions that can develop into a, disabil- a disability or a debilitating state. W- what are some of the other challenges you've seen uh, with military veterans uh, with disability? that might be experiencing beyond that? Is there anything else that's sort of on the radar that you've observed or providing supports or even supports that aren't there for them? Um, One one of the key issues for veterans is they don't ask for support. Mm. Um, When you're a veteran, well, when you're in the Defence Force, um, you are provided a lot of support, um, a lot of things you never have to worry about. Um, But you're built up as the expectation is that you can you can get on and you can um, you have the grit to uh, deal with all the problems that will be thrown at you in life when you leave that organization and potentially you've left because of your injuries uh, or your mental health um, Mm. problems it then feels like all of those things have disappeared Um, so no one's really watching or supporting you or making Mm. sure you're okay Um, and as a result they're not used to asking so they can become very um, isolated, mm. hermits almost sometimes, they, they've been, <laughs> it's mm. been said. But veterans find it really hard to acknowledge that they're not well and that they need help. And part of the role of a lot of the organisations that I work with is trying to break that and, and get them asking for the help and actually getting them connected to the help they need. Um, ultimately... Our, our veteran community um, is very active um, in the support uh, mechanisms out there, but not in disability. I think that's the key one for me is disability is an area that we just do not see mm. um, the support around our veterans and it's not coordinated, it's not necessarily well understood and as a result we don't get the best results for people with disabilities who are veterans and I think that's that's where uh, I think my organization will start to look um, start look how we can better support those people as I said 17 percent of our veterans have uh, extreme PTSD and of the community so it's about 1.9 percent of the population of Australia is homeless Mm. 5.7% 5.7% of wow. the veteran community is homeless. So that's a large portion of the population of veterans. And then you overlay it with these debilitating mental health or physical injuries, mm. and you find yourself having a homeless, disabled veteran. And I think that's the worst-case scenario, is how do they live and, and get by every day and actually get back on their feet and function um, in society in a way that they feel their, their value and, and that they feel comfortable that, that they're being supported um, where you know we don't have those layers necessarily on, on most of the rest of the population. So I'm very keen to see us find a, a pathway for, for these veterans, um, especially connecting them to the, to the right support. It's a fascinating insight, and as we talk uh, in this series, you know, one in five Australians has a disability, and that issue of homelessness with people with disability is not limited 
you know, it's 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 across the board, but it is there are groups that are greater risk, as you say, the veterans, as well as uh, the general population. And I'm interested also to note then, um, in terms of those services, and you talked then earlier about you know the, the potentially feeling isolated and not reaching out for help. So where does that you know where does that gap get filled, and who's currently filling that? Other you say there's groups like Carry On and others. Um, where's that, that where's that responsibility lie in your view? You know, holistically across Australia, where where does that sit you know is it a health issue is it a, a state level is it a federal issue is it not-for-profits is it peak bodies or is it everybody as you say there's lots of players in the market but who's actually coordinating it and who takes carriage it's a it seems like when you finish service there's a little element of detachment that occurs naturally by the, the leaving but also how do people reintegrate and get life skills and do you do you see that as a deficit within the military in terms of, you know, you come in as a young man, everything's provided, where's the transition to, I guess, adulthood, as it were? Is there anything in that area as well? Or Yeah, there, there is a bit of work being done uh, to try to assist with transition. Um, it's not necessarily geared towards individuals with um, the, the issues that we're talking mm. about. It's more transitioning them into um, a, a work Uh, and into general life, Mm. um, assisting them there. I think there's a... It's a federal responsibility to transition veterans, Mm. um, but it's a massive task. You're talking nationally. Mm. You're talking individuals. um, And some individuals don't want any help. Mm. Um, So it's very hard to, as an organisation, determine who does and doesn't need the help. Um, I think it's really based on a community approach mm. um, there's a lot of veterans out there who, who don't want to be recognised as veter- veterans um, and, and that's a stigma associated with their service um, others are, it's a cultural thing so our indigenous population uh, don't necessarily want to be recognised mm. as uh, a veteran um, so we've got to be cognisant that mm. the, there are people out there who don't want uh organizations knocking on their door and seeing that they're okay so it's really about how we um, as a community just keep touch with people um, and find ways and means just to identify when a person is having trouble mm. and I think it's really around your mates and and um, a lot of the referrals we get are from mates um, who know that their friend has been sleeping on their couch for the last 12 months mm. um, and has tried everything and, and just can't get off the couch, not physically, but can't find accommodation or can't find uh, the support they need. So those those mechanisms, I think, are key. Um, we're, we're not, it's not going to capture everybody, but there's very few ways and means to do that. Um, I think we will always have people slip through uh, the cracks uh, it's about how the community identifies and pulls them back and, and tries to get the help mm. to them and convince them that, you know, it's not um, a weakness mm. to ask for help. Absolutely. I think it's a really important message uh, amongst many that you've shared today. And one of the things I really would like to also unpack with you is if you had one message, you know, or, or a couple of key messages for the general public, uh, what would you want to know about, you know, better about disability, particularly uh, for military veterans, what would be the key messages you'd like the public to know? Um, f- for me, you know, we, we're just a small part of the community, the vet- veterans. Veterans are, as I said, um, there's about a 
uh, 3.5% of the entire population of Australia has been a veteran. Wow. Um, so we are sm- a small number. Mm. Um, but those people who have actually served have have served um, at their own detriment a lot of the time. They have been without their families for very long periods of time. Um, they've seen and done some very difficult things in their in their time. And we as a community should be respecting uh, that and ensuring that we don't have uh, veterans uh, on the streets mm. um, and homeless. And that if a veteran has uh, left the services with injury, both mental and physical, that we ensure that what systems we have and the approach we have to supporting them get is the best we can give uh, to ensure that veteran uh, thrives um, after they leave uh, our organisation. So. That's a, a wonderful um, sentiment and something that I think our listeners will value. And uh, look, Brad, unfortunately, uh, we've we've got a finite amount of time today and our, our session has come to an end. But uh, look, personally, I just want to say thank you, one, for your service and two, for the, your spirit that you're carrying to support those in need. Um, it's such an important area and I think it's an area we don't, as the general public, understand very well. But the, the stats and the, and the concepts you've shared today align that it's yet another group of people that require uh, awareness and support, even if it's not always actively sought. Uh, but that's what you're going to you know, work to, to resolve and that real issue of housing. So thank you really greatly for, for sharing all of that today. No, th- thank you very much. And if, uh, if anyone wishes uh, to find out more about uh, Carry On and Veteran Housing Australia, we are on, on the web um, and we do... We are looking for uh, both the individual but also organisationally um, people who want to contribute and support um, the need uh, to work towards a situation where there are no veterans homeless. Yeah, it's so important that, uh, that that we see that as housing as a basic human right and need and that, you know, to have a home promotes that sustainable employment, social inclusion uh, and improved physical and mental health outcomes. So as, as you say there, Brad, uh, that's uh, www.carryononeword.org.au uh, for learning about Veteran Housing Australia or Carry On itself and always open for donation uh, from the public. So thanks. So this week, uh, I'll leave you with a quote from Maya Angelou, a American poet and civil rights activist, who said, If it is true that a chain is only strong as its weakest linked, isn't it true also that a society is only as healthy as its sickest citizen and only as wealthy as its most deprived? I'd like to thank everyone who has downloaded or streamed this latest episode of Together We Grow and look forward to welcoming you back for our next episode where we'll continue to hear stories and shared learnings and experiences from people with disability and those that support them. And remember that it is together and only together that we grow. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Together We Grow. For more information, check out our website mercyconnect.org.au.